Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 71 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. My guest today is a a little bit of a superstar. Please welcome Carl Gould to the show. Carl, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate being on and getting a chance to uh, hang out a little bit and and talk uh, business with you. Well, I'm really excited to talk business with you. Guys, Carl is a worldwide leading authority on business and entrepreneurship. Right? His company is Seven Stage Advisors. They help organizations grow to the next level. But lest you think he's just another one of, okay? He's I'm just not another pretty face is what no. you're trying to say. No, he's not another pretty face. <laughs> uh, he's built three multi-million dollar businesses by the age of 40. 40, sorry. Um, I'm just a little starstruck here, guys. And <laughs> Seven Stage Advisors has mentored the launch of over 5,000 businesses. He's advised over 100 of the Inc. 500 5,000 fastest growing companies. Some of the companies he's helped are the likes of Walmart, Walgreens, American Idol, U.S. Olympic Track, IBM, McGraw Hill, U.S. Army, you know, just some of those. No, no biggie. Um, he's created the farthest reaching business mentoring organization in the world. Methodologies are practiced in 35 countries. So again, he's got a bio to kill. Um, but here's some of the most fun stuff that, that gets me. Um, he's written multiple books, including co-authoring The Blueprint for Success with Stephen R. Covey, of whom I'm an insane fan because The Seven Habits completely changed my life, and Ken Blanchard, of whom I'm also an insane fan, all his little tiny books. Um, and his best-selling book, The Seven Stages of Small Business Success, lays out the formula for hyper-growth. Oh my gosh, this is, this is a really, really well-written bio. I just want everyone listening to know that like, when you get to this level, like your bio does kind of write itself, but like, super, super cool. And each week, he co-hosts the Quit and Get Rich radio show on iHeartRadio, where he shares his insights from working with the top companies around the world. So yeah, you know, just that. Carl, we're, we're very excited to have you here today. <laughs> well, thank you. That's very, very nice. I, it's, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I, I, I love what I do. So to hear it all being read back that way, you know, just I, I, got, I got into this to help people. And, and I'm hoping that that's the case. And so, but again, thanks so much for letting me come on your show and, and kick things around for a little while. Amazing. So I want to I wanna hear your story and your journey, but if I can poke in in the middle for a second, how sure. did you get to co-author a book with Covey and Blanchard? Because that's just like, wow. Yeah, I know. Well, I was um, in 2007, I was getting, I, well, let, I'll take you a little further back. 1991, I decide I want to do coaching, right? And I did it part-time. I already owned a, I had a landscaping company, which I was about to sell. I had then had a construction company, um, but I was doing coaching as a part-time passion. It was my side hustle. And um, I wrote, because there were not a lot of methodologies or um, procedures or best practices in coaching, I started documenting everything that I was doing. And, um, and so what I didn't realize I was doing was I was creating a coaching methodology, which I would later publish in the 2000s. So I had this thing called the Milestones Methodology. That's what it was called. And... Um, and so uh, fast forward to 2005, 
um, I was getting ready to turn this into a book. It was a manual, a training manual till then, but I was getting ready to put it in, in a book. And the same publisher that I was working with was working on this, on the book project with Ken Blanchard and Stephen Covey. And they wanted, and it was called blueprint for success. And I have a growth graph and it looks like a blueprint. And so they said, you know, that Covey and Blanchard had seen it and, and thought it would be a good addition to their book project. And they're like, well, would you be interested in contributing to the book project with Ken Blanchard and Stephen Covey? Duh, of course I would. <laughs> Let me think yeah. about that. I'll get back to yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> it'll take me 10 or 11 seconds max. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, it's absolutely. I was, I was so flattered to be part of it. And, and it was great. To, it was great. Um, I, I wanted to do more speaking. And it doesn't hurt when you can say you've co-authored a book with those two. They're both iconic figures. And, and uh, so, yeah, it was just that, that it came to pass through the publisher, actually. Because we were amazing. actually working on our book projects at the same time. I love that. And again, yeah. obviously, like the skill and the information is significant, but it's a little bit like right place, right time. That, that was totally, together. yeah, yeah. I'd love to say that I was stalking them or somehow <laughs> put together some wonderful plan so I was positioned. But it just, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it really plays to the cliche of you, you make your own luck because I was there working my ass off on my own book. They were working their butt off on their book. And it just so happened we were doing it through the same publisher. I love that. So, that so there was some cool. timing there, but it was because we were working hard on it. Okay, so you've been coached. So we're going back, like, way back. We, we won't say how what I was doing in 1991. Um, you, <laughs> <laughs> you've been in this for a while. Um, what got you? So it sounds like you were running businesses already on your own. What got you from that into coaching, or really, what got you into business to begin with? Like, let's let's, let's go back. Like, what is this journey like? Because now you know you're sitting at you know at the top of the totem pole. What yeah. what did the beginning look like? Well, it was uh, uh, you know uh, so a lot of times I look back at my life and I and I think there were times that were difficult or challenging times, and they turned out to be some of the biggest favors that were ever done for me. Um, I was going to school at the University of Delaware. I was taking accounting and finance um, at the time, and um, in the three days before the uh, the holiday break, sorry, it was two days before the holiday break, three days before Christmas, I broke my leg pretty badly. And um, I, um, I had to, as I learned when I got home, I was going to leave school at that point. The injury was so bad. I was laid up for three months in a full length cast. I was going to take three more months to start using my leg again. So I was out of school. And since I was paying my own way, um, all of the grants and scholarships, um, you know, they're good as long as you're in school. I wasn't in school. And, um, and all the loans that I had taken out in order to pay my own way, well, once you're gone for six months, they want you, they want to be paid back. And so there I was at home and I'm like, I got to make money. And the only thing I knew how to do consistently to make enough money to support myself was uh, to, to do landscaping because I had done that in high school. Knew it pretty well and you know, I was giving proposals and running crews. So I was almost, you know, a manager at that point. So I said, Wait, you know, I'm going to. How did, in high school, how were you a manager? Like, where, yeah. I, like well, I was going to say like, well, whatever, like in high school, so I was already doing that as a manager. So I'm like, I'll just keep doing well, it. And I, I mean, would just take that for granted, but I don't. How'd you do that? Gotcha. Gotcha. So I didn't, I would not have called myself a manager at the time, but what happened was one day my boss comes up to me and says, I'm busy. I need you to go down to that building over there um, and give Mr. and Mrs. Smith a proposal. Here's all the stuff they get. Here's what they're supposed to pay. And you're at the end, tell them if they're interested, you need a 50% deposit. 
I said, okay. I was 16 years old. I, the guy trusted me enough to do it. So I go down to Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I go, I talk to him about the, the project. They give me a 50% deposit. I go back. I walk, I was right down the street, walk back down the street. And the owner says to me, so how'd it go? I'm like, well, I think pretty good. And he said, well, why do you think pretty good? I said, well, they signed the proposal and they gave me a 50% deposit. And um, the guy said, well, what part of the project will they be doing? I said, well, what did he mean? He said, well, what part? There was like three phases to that. I said, oh, they're doing all of it. He's like, all of it? <laughs> and I said, I said, yeah, you told me to, to tell them what they're going to be doing and get a 50% deposit check. So I did. <laughs> I told them they were doing all this. And I just explained it as if it was all going to happen. And they gave me a deposit check. And the guy was like, you're kidding. <laughs> I love it. So he, the rest of the summer, he sent me on what seemed like every proposal he was giving. And I was winning a lot of them. So nice. he, cause I didn't know, he didn't explain to me that there was some, there's a certain amount that the customer wanted. There's a certain amount he was suggesting. And there was a, like the dream scenario. I didn't know any better. I just assumed you're doing it all. And then, and when these people would ask me, they would say, well, what do you think? I'm like, well, why would you not do this if you're doing all of that? And they were like, yeah, good point. You know, I said, it'll cost you double the amount to do it later. And I would say, I don't care what you do. I'm just the schlep that's digging yeah. trenches. And <laughs> I'm just the kid here to hand you the papers. <laughs> exactly. But I, it was, was genius. He probably saw me as like the Girl Scout, girl selling Girl Scout cookies. Totally. When they walk up and they say, what do you want? The dosey -si dos or the Thin Mints? And you're like, all right, two of them, one of oh, those. Exactly. <laughs> so I was a ringer. That's amazing. So you started as just, it was like a teenage summer job doing landscaping. You were just, yeah. and you were going to be like, the the actual like digging planting guy originally yeah that's all i was doing and you know it's funny and i i got a chance to revisit this in my uh, kind of my memory bank recently because my friend's father passed away recently and um and you know on facebook they were talking about what uh they remembered about him and i said i i sent a note to my friend and i said your dad's the reason why i'm an entrepreneur and they're like really i said yeah because one day i was over their house and my friend and I worked at this landscaping company and this was before we went to college and there was a guy there that was 32 years old and he was the project manager and me and my friend Rob were saying oh 32 that's old and you would never catch me dead doing landscaping at 32 years old and I'll never forget to this day his dad walks in the room because he'd heard us talking and he what he looked at me and goes you wouldn't feel that way if you owned the company and I remember like, huh, never, you're right about that. Moments. Right. So, so, so put that in your file cabinet. I go to college and I uh, break my leg and I'm, I'm at home. I have plenty of time to think because I'm sitting at home. I'm on the couch, you know, trying to figure out my future. And then that started going through my head. You know, you wouldn't be thinking that way if you were the owner, you wouldn't be thinking that way if you were the owner. I'm like, you know what, what's the worst that can happen? You know, I got a little part-time job pumping gas. Yes. If all the reasons you were thinking of moving back to New Jersey, one of them is they still pump the gas for you. <laughs> yes, right? they do. Diners was number one, but you're on your way back to Jersey because they pump the gas for you. That's why you're really <laughs> thinking about it. It's, the, it's, it's really the only thing they've got going for them. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, but it's a big thing. You gotta, you gotta admit. And, um, and, and so I, um, you know, I had got, had a job pumping gas for a little bit and I, I was like, you know, I'm making like, 
I think I was making under $4 an hour. That was minimum wage at the time. And, um, and I said, and I remember making a lot of money landscaping. And I was thinking if I was making a lot of money, he sure as heck was. And I was the guy doing the proposals. And every time we won a proposal, he would say to me, Hey, good job, Carl, you and those three guys go do the job. And I would be like, wait a minute, I'm doing all the proposals, running the job and I'm getting paid by the hour. And this guy's making all the money. And I know how much money he's making because I'm collecting the checks. That's right. You're, you're, you're running the whole thing on the back end. Okay. Yeah. So I said, you know, why not give it a try? And so that whole fall, I, you know, I put my name out there, called around. I said, I'm starting this landscape company, blah, 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 the whole bit. And I got uh, enough jobs to make it interesting. You know, like I did a few jobs and I'm like, hmm, I worked for a few days. I have $10,000. I've never seen $10,000 in my life. This is pretty cool. And so I won my first few jobs and um, after paying everything out, I had some money in my pocket. I'm like, this ain't so bad. So the next year I decided to do it, you know, full on as a full on business. And I said, this is my number one priority. And then I, I, I enrolled at school at night um, to finish, uh, to, to continue studying business management. And I also took horticulture because I was now a design build landscape firm. <laughs> Very cool. So that was your first real business. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I I love people's origin stories. And I think what strikes me the most is that that first defining moment, you know, which it sounds like is that that's that seed that that sprouted everything, you know, because it it went in there and it germinated and it just kept spreading because it's like, wouldn't be bothered if you owned the company. (laughs) I love it. And so then it sounds like from there you did construction because you're, you're doing landscaping, people are building, you're like, what we can build it too. Why not? Yeah. So I, I, um, I, I grew that company and, um, I sold the company in the er, mid nineties. And, um, and then I started a a construction company. I was a residential home builder. I did commercial renovation. I had a log home dealership. Um, uh, so I built log homes. So Like like, like log cabins. Like log cabins. Okay. Yeah, but they're, you know, the the day of the old cabin in the woods. I mean, they're in the woods, but these are these gorgeous upscale homes. Totally. Yeah. And um and I also had a modular home dealership where I was building uh so I built what they call stick frame. So just piece by piece, you know, regular framed homes that you'll see. Um a modular home which is built in the factory and then they deliver it and you bolt it together and you and you do all the finishings. And then I was also building custom log homes as well. And, um, and so I was doing some real estate development and I had that business from 92 through 2004. I feel like I want, I want to understand that, but I'm not going to, because there's so much more we have to talk about, but there's a lot in there that takes you from landscaping to real estate development, logos and modular frame. But I'm, yeah. I'm going to shelve that for a second because, because something tells me there's even more interesting stuff that we can spend our time yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. So you're starting the coaching while you have these other businesses. No one was coaching in the nineties. Like it was not unless it was a sports team, right? It's not like today where everyone- That is so true. And That's what people used to say to me. I would like, I'm, I'm a professional coach. Like, wow, exciting. What team? What's, exactly. Like what team? That's what they used to say to me. And yeah. you're like, your team. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of like a personal trainer for your goals. I take your business to the gym and they're like, what? 
You know, like it's such just a weird thing. Now I know when I land. started, I started doing small business consulting about 10 years ago and it was like unheard of. People were like, why? Right. Like if you run a small business, you either have it or you don't. Well, why would I need a coach or consultant? Why would I need help? If I need help, then I shouldn't be doing it. And now it's like, oh yeah, of course, just what makes you different than the other guy. But then I, I, I totally get that. So why, 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 why would you want to be a coach? Well, yeah, so I, I um, started out, I went to a few personal development seminars in the early 90s, really liked it, really so enjoyed like Tony the- Tony Robbins, who else was there? Yeah, so yeah, it was Tony, I went to the Unleash the Power Within seminar right, for Tony Robbins. That's pretty much the Tony only Robbins. guy who was on the, on the stage yeah. in those days. Well, yeah, it's funny, my, um, uh, somebody I knew won the lottery, and um, they were looking for personal development. I did some research and I said, well, there's this Tony Robbins guy out there that looks like he's doing something. Why don't you go check it out? She did. She liked it. She recommended it to me. She's like, you're going to love this. You ought to go. So I did. And I really did enjoy it. Um, and so I got more involved in his programs. I also started getting certifications in NLP, Neuro Linguistics Programming. Yeah, I, I do DISC. a lot of stuff too. Yeah, so disc assessments and all that. The same way. I've never done it. A bunch of my clients do it. And then I look at it and I review it with them because they like want my insight. And it's always like half right, half wrong. I'm like, right. why? You know, to me, that's just a scam. If it's half right, half wrong, then you just guess the whole thing. Right. Yeah. It's, so you're a weatherman. <laughs> yeah, so it might rain. It might not. Exactly. Bring your umbrella exactly. and bring a jacket. You know. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's what this feels like to me, but I've, I've never gone deep into it. Okay. So you're getting yeah. all these certifications. Um, so, and I'm enjoying it. So my path in coaching was, I said, I want to do coaching, but here's the reality is in the beginning, the coaching world was just coaches coaching other coaches. It was very little of the outside world engaging a coach. Yeah, it's a, it was 90%. The coaching industry started out as another form of personal development. And I've since trained over 7,000 coaches in 35 countries. And I could tell wow. you that somebody goes into coaching in the beginning, almost always to heal thyself oh, before sure. they heal others, right? For and, sure. and, and that's what like it was that. like. I think it's still 90% yeah. coaches training coaches because only 10% ever get out there and actually make money doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And and um, the uh, so it was exciting because it was, Coaching became structured personal development. I really enjoyed it and I enjoyed helping others. And, and so I, but, but I had these two businesses. They were both very successful. I'm running them. I wasn't, it wasn't my passion, but it paid the bills. And I married, I've got kids on the way, I, you know, living in Jersey, you're not making money as a coach getting paid 20 bucks a session. You know what I mean? Yeah. P pitching it at the gas stations while the guys are getting their kinks filled up. It's not going. Yeah. Not happening. <laughs> not happening. So I was doing it. So what I did was I got certified in virtually every method you can. So I became a Tony Robbins coach. I got certified in situational leadership by Ken Blanchard, uh, Franklin Covey, uh, Dale Carnegie leadership. And I was the coach for the gurus when, um, when their clients said, you know, I'd like to get coached under your model. I was one of the guys they sent you to. And got so it. I, I did, Oh gosh, thousands of hours of coaching in the nineties, um, you know, just honing my skill, honing right. my craft and, and becoming the go-to certified practitioner for these different sciences of peak performance and personal development, professional development, business, DISC. So one of my that's colleagues- because you had the funds. Yeah. Like a lot of people can't do that. It's because you had the successful businesses because all those programs are super expensive before you yeah. get to the place. And even when they pay you, 
if I'm correct in my understanding, it's not that much. It's not that much. It's still not that much. Unfortunately, nope. most coaches don't earn all that much. Um, and most coaches get into it because they're trying to help others and they can't protect themselves from themselves, you know, to make it a worthwhile thing. So I, so I got started in the coaching and I said, at some point, I, I hired, in 1996, I hired a, a business mentor for my business. And I just loved, I loved it. Loved the process, loved the strategy. And so here I am, I've now been coaching a life coach, results coach, executive coach for five years. Now I hired a business coach and the path became very clear to me. I'm like, wait a minute, I've been an entrepreneur now for a while. I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years and I'm only, I'm only 26 years old. You know, I've got, I've got plenty, I got plenty of runway in front of me. I'm only, sorry, 30 years old. And, uh, but I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years. I have as much hours in as a coach as anybody. And I mean anybody. And, um, so I go through the process where I position my last business to sell and I sold it. And I said, you know what, this is what I want to do. Uh, but I got to figure out how this can be a full-time business, just like a financial advisor or an accountant or an attorney, you know, this is another professional service. How do I do it? And so I, I went back to what I was writing in the nineties and I said, you know what, what if I had a methodology I learned everyone else's methodology, but what if I had one? What if I was the guru of the and the author of the methodology, and I I just started charging what I really felt it was worth, which was three hundred dollars an hour and above, and so I did. And that. in the '90s, that was a big deal. Like no yeah. one was doing no it. Like people hear that. that now, and they're like, ah. But guys, I want you to remember, like when this was, this was not being done, and no one was paying that kind of price for it. Right. And yeah, there weren't even a lot of, there weren't even a lot of men in coaching at the time. It was mostly, uh, it was mostly women coaches. It was life coaching mostly. And, and the industry hadn't splintered where it was life and business. And then if you're in business, are you executive, big business, small business, you know, mid market on the life side, were you, you know, health relationships, you know, um, fitness, you know what I mean? Like it hadn't splintered and matured yet. So the majority of the coaches were, uh, woman co were woman, female coaches. They were, um, life, uh, uh, coaching focused and business coaching hadn't really, hadn't really taken off what, um, we have we actually have the corporate world to thank because they were the first ones to research and analyze the return on investment for executive coaching and mckinsey did a study um and which was a big one that was that was that was groundbreaking because it showed that you get almost nine dollars for every dollar invested in coaching That's uh, nine dollars that would be a good study for mckinsey to do you know kind yeah. of tooting their horn <laughs> right. And, but the beauty of it was, is the coaching was for managers. It wasn't for, you know, the lowest level employee that anything you could do would improve. These are people that have done years and years of continuing education. They've done product training. These were their top people and they still got $9 for every dollar invested in coaching. That's and that pretty kind cool. Of, yeah. And that validated it as a science. And that was a big moment because now there was proof and then it trickled down and everybody used that study. I think it was $8.88 of, of, um, 
uh, upside for every dollar invested in executive coaching. That's, that's and, pretty cool. How old is yeah. this? I've never even heard of this. I'm totally going to use it. Yeah. <laughs> Check out the McKinsey study. And then not long after that, uh, Michael Gerber and the E-Myth Worldwide did a study mm -hmm. and they found that it was 804%. So they're similar. One yeah. was 888%, one was 804 um, which meant for, you know, so again, it was, and Michael Gerber's E-Myth Mastery book, sorry, E-Myth Revisited book was the hot book at the time. And so his, uh, between the two studies, you know, it really validated coaching and, and people stopped thinking of it as a remedial um, exercise. Like, oh, you got to coach because you, you know, you screwed up or you're not ready for prime time and we're going to coach you up or we're going to coach you out sort of thing. And it started to be thinking of as a tool of mastery, not a punishment. You totally know? love it. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. So what was, so what was the, the strategic path, right? Because it's very different to sell landscaping or construction services to building a personal brand, selling yourself, um, especially at a time when, you know, like I said in the beginning, like I experienced something similar where everyone's like, I don't get why I need you. <laughs> I don't get yeah. why I would want to do this. I don't really get what you do or what you, you can right. do. Um, what, it, what did you do to get out there? Was it, again, just direct sales? Was there positioning elements? Like the book didn't come till later. So what, what did you do to get that going? And I'm curious if anybody could even replicate that today because the times are so different. Yeah, I think, well, in some ways, I think it might be easier to replicate now what I did because there's just more out there you can be, you can latch on to. Um, what I did in 2002 was I became certified in an organization called the Institute for Independent Business. And it was, it was a London-based organization that trained business mentors and generalist business advisors. And so now I felt at least, for whether I was right or wrong, that I now had some business certification credibility to go along with all of my other NLP disc coaching, you name it. Right. So now I'm armed. I'm at this point. Now I'm a 16 year entrepreneur. I had more coaching hours than just about anyone you could find. And that, but now I had a business certification that was pretty wild, wide, widely known. And what, what really kickstarted me was, I, um, I come back to the United States and we were taught this script by the IIB and that's what its nickname was, was the script. And they had not modified it for the US market and their product was something called the business support scheme. Oh is no. What it was called. Right, right, <laughs> that's what we said. There were a handful of us in the class and they said, you're gonna go out and sell the business support scheme and we're like, that sounds awful. Did you hear, did you hear scheme? <laughs> I thought I heard scheme. They said scheme, didn't they? They really said scheme. So it, they later changed it to the business support program. But what happened was they had a telemarketing agency based in England that would make appointments for you in America. Well, I got all, I was getting these appointments and I was walking into these meetings to talk to small business owners about growing their business. And I couldn't believe how enthusiastic they were about taking the appointment. And I got in, I'm like, wow. These are some growth-minded uh, business owners. They were laughing at me, saying I had to take the meeting with the with the moron who called up and said he wanted to sell a scheme. You're the scheme guy, and so um, <laughs> it was hilarious. But I I realized I walked in. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, and um, so I said I just made fun of it. I said, yeah, you know. I said, look, it's 
It's a UK-based organization. It's called The Scheme. You know, I, I said, but, you know, it's, I, we, in the script, we had to do this long paragraph of who we were, why we were there. And, you know, they had words like, we're going to chat and all, you know, more, much more British, British language really than funny. here. And so they got it. And we had some fun with it. And I would say, yeah, you know, I'm here to steal. So uh, give me the key to the safe and, you know, open up your checkbook. And so we laughed it off. But what I learned was nobody was obviously saying what I was saying. And so they were so enamored by the differentiator that I had, the scheme guy chatting, guy from England based in Jersey. What's this all about? It was brilliant. Brilliant. And, I, and like, so, I like all your lucky accidents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, it, got me, uh, it got me my first few clients, which really in turn got me my confidence. Like now I'm like, you know what? I could play at this level. I'm, uh, you know, I've been, I'm, I was younger in age than almost everyone I was working with, but I had equal experience. And I was like, you know what? I mean, I, I, at first I was really nervous. Like I went to this training class. I read every inch of the manual because I'm like, I can't do this. You know, I'm a young guy. Most of, them, most of the uh, consultants were 50-ish. That was the average age. I'm 34 at this class. And, but after my first few appointments and I got my first few clients, I was like, I can do this as good as anybody. And my confidence really grew. And I was able, under the guise of business mentoring, I was doing coaching, you know? And, That's really um, cool. Yeah, the averaging. You could have done it way sooner. You know that, right? Well, now, probably I could have. But if you told me then that, I wouldn't like have believed you. I, I think a lot of yeah. people get stuck there. Do you say that also? People get stuck. I don't want to say it's the trap of education, but kind of, you know, feeling like I need more and more courses and more and more validity. If you are a successful entrepreneur and you learned the psychology and the personal development and you were out there making a difference, the only thing missing was the confidence. Right, right. It's, it's you know, that story about two people being chased by a bear. You don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the guy, the other guy. or the gal next to you. <laughs> exactly. And it's the same thing in consulting. I just, I literally need to be one step ahead of you. As long as I am and I can show you the path ahead, I can bring value. I don't have to know five miles ahead. Yeah, kudos if you can. But I got to tell you, if I'm, when my son was getting ready to go to college, I didn't need somebody to tell me about what retirement home or assisted living facility he's going in. I didn't need to know the whole lifeline. I just need help me get this kid into college. So anyone who could do it and do it well and, and give me good information on it, I was all ears. So I hear that. I yeah. totally hear that. Okay. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I get the journey. And then at some point you went from being an individual coach under the umbrella of these other programs, right? Yep. It, if I may be so bold to say, is like kind of hiding behind them or, or using them, again, to, to bolster that confidence. Um, and then you came out on your own and you got your own programs and your own training institutes. That's a big switch. Yeah, I, um, so in the IIB, this is a, a big breakthrough for me was uh, they started the, um, they started, they had a mentoring program in the US and now they start in the UK and then they started operations in the United States. And um, I had, at this point, done a lot of uh, consulting work uh, for other people who wanted coaching programs. So I worked with uh, Tony Robbins. I went to a seminar, but then he became, his company became a client. Uh, the Adizas organization, we worked with them. Um, you know, and uh, countless other real estate investment companies, uh, outplacement firms. 
we showed them how to build coaching organizations because I had learned that just by being one of the coaches in an organization. And so I went to the IIB and I said, I can, I can run your mentoring program here in the States. Um, so I won that contract. And then um, our, I made a back of the napkin bet with the principal of the organization um, because you know we had these telemarketing agencies. And I said, I bet you my mentoring program, which I proposed being a phone-based program, could outperform the existing one that was in person. And the guy said, no way, you can't do that. Now remember, it's 2003, phone-based coaching just didn't exist except for- Yeah, it really for, wasn't a thing yet. Yeah. And so I said, well, I'll tell you what, um, I'll make you a bet. I said, for one year, we'll compare the two programs. And uh, because the telemarketing agency would make 10 appointments for every new consultant and uh, based on the number of closes, because you mentored them through the first 10, I said, whoever has the higher close rate gets the other person's uh, program. That was Ooh, my bet. Oh, that's a major bet. <laughs> yeah. So my, so here's what happened. So at the end of the year, their, their current success rate was one client out of 10, which was very good, really good. At the end of our first year, I was, uh, I'll never forget it, 3.71 clientele out of 10 appointments made. Wow. We were crushing it, just crushing it. So the principal didn't like the fact that that was the case. Uh, so didn't allow me to put in a proposal for this other program. He told the UK person, copy his program, you do it here. I don't like hey, that. He this... had to give you his whole thing though. Right, he was supposed to. He was supposed to. Oh, so they, so he gave the other guy the program. It, it did not perform well at all. It, it really struggled. And then uh, the, a year later, they opened up the entire global marketplace. They were in almost 35 countries at the time uh, to one mentoring program. I put in a proposal. I won that proposal. So so eventually I was doing all uh, of so it you, everywhere. You took them over. It's like, like took you, them over. You were the student. Like you're, you're the guy who like worked for the company and said, you know what? I just better on my own. You'll be my client. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. And that's the way it went. And, um, and then you owned their company. So you, you didn't have to build it from zero. You just kind of took it over and ran it better. Well, I did the mentoring side of it. They, there was still training and recruiting. Right. Um, uh, so there are other aspects of the business, but I ran the mentoring program and we had up to, at one point 80 mentors in 35 countries, and I think we we're mentoring in seven or eight native languages at the time, where English was not their first language. So it was pretty wild. Cool. It was a pretty wild ride while the company was in its heyday. I love it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday, and of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?